Many of us enjoy a fine alcoholic beverage on occasion. Most of us wish we were a little bit healthier. And many of us would take simple steps to achieve that. Imagine if taking that little drink of fine alcohol was all it took to improve your health, something you'd enjoy doing anyway. Could the secret to better health really be as easy and attractive as that? We're going to find out right now on Skeptoid. Are you ready to take your Skeptoid experience to the next level? Head on over to Skeptoid.com slash GoPremium to become a proud member and unlock a world of exclusive benefits. Picture this, ad-free listening and extended versions of every new episode, diving deep into the mysteries and real truth without interruption. Take this opportunity to elevate your journey and join the Skeptoid community today. Skeptoid.com slash GoPremium. This episode is sponsored in part by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. You're listening to Skeptoid. I'm Brian Dunning from Skeptoid.com. On the health benefits of drinking alcohol. Nobody doubts that being a heavy alcoholic is harmful to your health, but it also seems that most of us have heard anecdotally that small amounts of alcohol can actually have a beneficial effect. Maybe it works sort of like a vaccine by giving your system a small challenge to help strengthen it. Or maybe the alcohol has some kind of antiseptic effect. Or maybe something else. Who knows? But regardless, it's a thing many of us think and believe. So today we're going to separate science from pseudoscience, it's a thing we've done once or twice before on Skeptoid, and see if there truly are any health benefits from drinking just that right amount of alcohol. Those of you who do your own research at Google University should be warned. There are a lot of crap articles online touting the health benefits of alcohol, often specific types. For example, one article on the seven health benefits of tequila contains plenty of information that is, at best, dubious. And there are a million articles making these same claims. I just happened to pick this one. Let's have a quick look at those seven benefits. Number one, diabetics can drink it. The claim is that those with type 2 diabetes can indeed tolerate tequila better than some other spirits. Because one of the sugars in it is agave, found in the agave plant, which is non-digestible. Unfortunately, all the agavans are converted to ethanol during fermentation. Whatever benefits agavans may have to diabetics cannot be had from tequila. So it's a bogus claim. Number two, 
It cleanses the colon. The agave plant is a rich source of fructans, which are polymers of fructose molecules, and one type is called inulin. Fructans, and inulin specifically, are soluble dietary fibers and do have health benefits, which is the source of this claim. However, like the agavans, fructans do not survive the fermentation process and are not found in tequila, rendering this claim bogus. When agave is harvested for its fructan, it's usually obtained from the unused byproducts of tequila production. Number three, it can aid in weight loss. This is to do with agavans again, and again because there are no agavans in tequila, it's a bogus claim. The original claim came from a presentation at an American Chemical Society meeting, which was badly misinterpreted and misreported. Today it's all over the internet that tequila helps you lose weight. No, it most certainly does not, and neither does any other alcoholic drink. Number four, it helps fight dementia. There is pretty good evidence that those who drink alcohol have a slightly lower risk of developing dementia, and we'll talk more about this later. But it has to do with any alcohol. There's nothing specific to tequila about it. Number five, it aids digestion. This is the same as number two, colon health, digestive health. It always cites the inulin, which, as already discussed, is not found in tequila. Bogus claim. Number six, it's probiotic. The fructans in agave are selective substrates for certain probiotic bacteria. But not only are fructans not in the fermented tequila, any probiotic bacteria in your tequila would succumb to its alcohol content. But even if it did survive, we know from skeptoid number 801 that probiotic supplementation has no benefits at all. Bogus claim. Number seven, it's a cold buster. The article compares tequila to Emergency, the maker of which lost a class action lawsuit for claiming that their product has health benefits, when in fact it does nothing at all except perform a wallet extraction. They do also claim that Mexican doctors in the 1930s recommended tequila for cold sufferers, but I don't know that I'd call knocking yourself out with the hammer of Quetzalcoatl a health benefit. And this is just for one type of liquor. You can find similar articles making similar claims for just about any alcoholic beverage. We could dissect any of those articles claiming the special health benefits of whiskey, of gin, or anything else you want to name, but the conclusions would be of the same basic form as we've just given. I said above that we'd talk about the dementia study. Dementia is no fun, and the numbers aren't great either. Of adults over age 70, 11% of women and 8% of men have dementia. Of those lucky enough to be 90 or older, a full 33% have it. There have been a number of large studies over the years, but the most recent, published in 2022 in the journal Addiction, was a meta-analysis of 15 major studies covering over 150,000 subjects with an average age of about 72. Compared with abstainers, occasional drinkers had a 22% lower chance of developing dementia during the study. Light to moderate drinkers also had a 22% lower chance, and moderate to heavy drinkers had a 38% lower chance. 
Overall, people who drink up to 40 grams of alcohol per day, and that's just under three drinks, have a reduced chance of dementia compared to lifetime abstainers. But don't let those impressive-sounding numbers fool you. Statistics are used and abused every day. Those percentage numbers of your reduced chances are only of getting dementia during the years of the study. This study had 151,636 person years of follow-up of the 27,529 subjects. So it only covered an average of 5.6 years per person. And in just those 5.6 years, 7.7 of them got dementia. Drinkers had a 22 to 38% lower chance of getting dementia during those 5.6 years. But that says nothing about their later years after the study. And that 22% reduction means that your chances would have been 6% instead of 7.7%. That's a rough number without going in and breaking down the exact numbers with real statistical accuracy, but it's not that huge of an improvement. Head on over to Skeptoid.com store and explore the Skeptoid store where curiosity meets cool. We have books, socks, shirts, hoodies, and more. Check out our slick new Bigfoot design, where the mystery of this legendary cryptid never looked so good. And while you're here, don't forget to grab a Skeptoid USB drive, your portal to all episodes and all our movies, now including the UFO movie They Don't Want You to See. That's not all we have planned. We have a lineup of way more cool stuff coming soon. So head on over, skeptoid.com slash store, and snag your swag. Red wine is one type of alcohol that's received a lot of attention over the years for its reported heart health benefits. The first thing to know about this is that the evidence is weak. Some studies find no benefit, and some find a little bit. The compound in question, and which is the focus of such studies, is resveratrol. It's thought that it may lower the risk of inflammation and blood clotting, helping to protect blood vessels from damage. Resveratrol comes from the skin of grapes, and the benefit is said to be from red wine more than from white wine, simply because red wine is fermented with grape skins longer than white. The alcohol in red wine is not a part of the picture. It's just the resveratrol. And if resveratrol is what you want, you're better off getting it from grape juice, or even just plain grapes, than from alcoholic wine. You can also get resveratrol from peanuts, blueberries, or cranberries. If the benefits of resveratrol are even real, red wine is probably the least healthy way to get them. In the early 2000s, we began to see data published about the relationship between moderate alcohol consumption and type 2 diabetes risk. One famous such study was published in 2011 in the journal Diabetes, and it followed over 38,000 men for 20 years. Its primary finding was that men who are rare or light drinkers and who moderately increased their consumption of alcohol did indeed see a significant reduction in their risk of developing type 2 diabetes. The study controlled for a whole variety of other health-related behaviors and eating habits. Just to be very clear, the benefit was not seen among other groups, only among those who increased their alcohol consumption 
from 0 to 4.9 grams a day to 5 to 29.9 grams per day. However, the researchers were very clear on an important point. Nobody should start drinking alcohol in the hope of reducing their risk of type 2 diabetes. The lifestyle changes to achieve this are losing weight, increasing exercise, and eating a healthy diet. And a healthy diet can include moderate alcohol consumption. That's all. If your overall diet is not a healthy one, adding alcohol will not improve your risk of type 2 diabetes. Now, to be responsible, we'll spend a few minutes on the other side of the coin, the ways that alcohol can be harmful to your health. Here is a blurb at the top of the CDC's white paper on alcohol use and your health. Drinking too much can harm your health. Excessive alcohol use led to more than 140,000 deaths and 3.6 million years of potential life loss each year in the United States from 2015 to 2019, shortening the lives of those who died by an average of 26 years. Further, excessive drinking was responsible for 1 in 10 deaths among working-age adults aged 20 to 64 years. The economic costs of excessive alcohol consumption in 2010 were estimated at $249 billion, or $2.05 per drink. The next time you're holding a drink, look at it and consider that $2 of the price of that drink goes to cover the health costs of alcohol consumption. But that's not all. The National Cancer Institute also has something to say on this. Based on data from 2009, some 3.5% of cancer deaths in the United States, or 19,500 deaths, were alcohol-related. Drinking alcohol is associated with certain head and neck cancers, one type of esophageal cancer, two types of liver cancer, breast cancer, and certain colorectal cancers. In short, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services National Toxicology Program lists the consumption of alcoholic beverages as a known human carcinogen. So, there might be some good news for drinkers, but there's definitely some bad news for drinkers. How does the arithmetic add up? There was a large analysis of 1,286 data sources published in The Lancet in 2018. The authors found that, with a 95% uncertainty interval, the level of alcohol consumption that minimized harm across health outcomes was, drumroll please, zero. So, in summary, the health benefits of drinking alcohol are real, though small enough to be unlikely to noticeably improve your health. The proven detrimental effects of drinking, on the other hand, are definitely noticeable and far outweigh any benefits. So do your own math if you don't trust the Lancet, and weigh whatever enjoyment you get against the costs. That's the part Skeptoid can't help you with. A great big Skeptoid shout-out to premium supporters Tom Larson, Daniel Jalot, Pete Catullus, and Sarah Greenhill-Jeffrey. Remember, Skeptoid Media is a member-supported nonprofit. Our support comes almost entirely from private grants and donations from listeners just like you. 
If you agree that Skeptoid provides a valuable public service with programs like this, then please join the ranks of our sustaining members and get all the benefits of premium members. It's easy to do. Just come to Skeptoid.com and click Go Premium. You're listening to Skeptoid, a listener-supported program. I'm Brian Dunning from Skeptoid.com. Hi, this is Mark from Santa Fe, New Mexico. You know, when you consider that every single day we're exposed to such an avalanche of deliberate disinformation, conspiracy theories, false claims, hidden agendas, and outright lies, that it's no wonder that we can feel overwhelmed by it all. How can anyone know what to believe anymore? Well, by employing skepticism, critical thinking, and deliberate search for truth through science. That's how. Let Brian Dunning and Skeptoid be your guide in separating real facts from fiction. After enjoying episodes for a good many years, I finally decided to give back and become a premium member. Thank you, Brian, for performing a very valuable public service. Oh, yes. The episodes are also very well produced and very entertaining. There are so many great resources and tremendous library of past episodes you will have access to. I would highly recommend you consider becoming a premium member today.